Thank you for downloading the Providence Reformed Church Las Vegas podcast. I want to let you know that this sermon was recorded outdoors at Mount Charleston uh, for a special service on September 13th, 2020. Because it's recorded outdoors, we have a little wind and some noise, especially in the first five minutes. But the sound gets a lot better after that. Genesis 22, our text is going to be 1 through 14. The Bible says, After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here am I. He said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I should tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac, and he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went, both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here am I, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order, in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and saw his son. The angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here am I. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, The Lord Will Provide, as it is said this day, On the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. Will you pray with me, friends? Father, help us here on the mountain to have in our minds a picture of Abraham and Isaac on a mountain, to bring to our minds a picture of the Lord Jesus on a mountain, that we might remember the gospel, grace, glory, and the things that would honor you most. Father, we're sinners in need of grace. We ask you for mercy, and we pray that you will do your work in our lives for your glory. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When God made the world, it was good. We've talked about that over the last couple of weeks. God made people in his image for the purpose of displaying his glory. But as we all know, the people God made decided to ignore God and go against God's rule. And while that was tragic, it wasn't a surprise to the Lord. You know God's not shocked by this, right? You see, God had always intended through creation to display all of his character. And that would include God's perfect justice in judging sin 
God's plan of what God's going to do to rescue a people for himself. And that plan involves God promising and promising and promising all through the Old Testament that somebody's going to come into the world born of one particular family, coming from one particular nation, and that person is going to be the savior of the world. Also, through the Old Testament, we see that God is holy. We see that God is just. We see that when people go against God, the cost of that sin is death. And if people don't have somebody take their punishment in their place, they find themselves without hope. And sometimes, sometimes we see God shape events for us to see that'll paint a picture of God's ultimate plan. You see, sometimes God will show us how he intended all along for Jesus to die for our sins so that we might have life. Well, in the book of Genesis, God promised he was going to send a rescuer into the world. And he promised that the rescuer would be born into the family of a man named Abraham. And God promised that the rescuer would be born into the family line of Abraham's son, Isaac. Isaac's birth was a miracle. We know God's doing something special. So when we see what God asks Abraham to do today, it ought to, if you were reading this for the first time, catch you very much off guard. But if you watch, you're going to be reminded of the gospel. You're going to be reminded of your own salvation. Look at chapter 22, verses 1 and 2. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here am I. He said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. What in the world is God doing? Well, God's testing Abraham, right? You know that, right? You know who didn't know that? Abraham didn't know it. But Abraham, he's, he's, he's called by God. All Abraham hears as Genesis 22 opens is that God said, I want you to go do a thing that is totally unthinkable, totally unimaginable. God says to Abraham to take this son, this promised son, and burn him as an offering to God. And there is no mistaking the command. It is clear as can be. Look at the words God uses here. The Lord said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love. That's four ways. He's making sure Abraham knows who we're talking about here. Who's he supposed to put to death? His son. His only son. His son, Isaac. The son he loves. There's no question about what's going on here. And the question is, how can God command this to happen? And how could God command this and still keep his promise to Abraham? That's the question Abraham has to have wrestled with all night long. But the Bible doesn't show you inside Abraham's tent. It doesn't show you Abraham wrestling in prayer that night or whether Abraham went straight to sleep. We don't know. What do we see? Verse 3, so Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac, and he, cut, he put the wood for the burnt offering and, uh, and, rode, uh, and rose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar, 
Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. So Abraham gets up early in the morning and he sets off. How could he do this? He's got a command from God. If he delays, if he argues about the command, you know what he's doing? He's disobeying God. So Abraham goes on. And Abraham, Isaac, and a couple of servants, household servants, they travel to a place, a mountain called Moriah. No delay in Abraham. He heard the command. He moved right then, right there. And then notice in the words Abraham uses to his servants, Abraham believes that he and Isaac are going to return. Abraham gives the servants no hint that he thinks Isaac's going to die. But he knows the command of God. What in the world gives here? I tell you what, I'll tell you that the answer to that question at the end. Then, verse 6. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. This is one of the parts of the message I thought I might bring Owen up and make him carry some wood around just as an example, but Mitzi said it's not a good idea. Excuse you. <laughs> uh, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. Would you like that part better? No. Took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went, both of them, together. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, my father. And he said, here am I, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood. But where's the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them together. Can you picture this? Abraham was old, by the way. What, 113, 14? Walking up a mountain, carrying a torch, carrying a knife, walking with Isaac. Isaac's carrying a big old load of wood. And Isaac has only one question. Uh, Dad, we got everything for the sacrifice except a lamb. And Abraham says, hey, God's going to provide the lamb. And Isaac is satisfied. Then verse 9. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. The drama gets intense here, guys. Abraham builds a proper altar for sacrifice. He binds his son. Now, guys, what do we already know about Isaac? He's a strong young man. How do you know Isaac is a strong young man? That is something that takes a little bit, don't it? Do you think that Isaac could have gotten away from Abraham had he wanted to? How many of you young people right now think you could not run your dad? What if your dad was 115? You think you could do it? <laughs> Still no. <laughs> There's some good family moments right there. Isaac trusted his father's wisdom here. And he let his father bind him and lay him on top of the altar. And then the scene hits slow motion in the way that it's narrated. You can picture it, right? Abraham reaches down. 
he grips the knife. It's the knife he's going to use to put to death his very own son. It's the knife he's going to use to put to death the very kid God promised him. Then verse 11, Then the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. He said, Do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. As Abraham lifts that knife high, ready to plunge it down and strike the death blow, a supernatural voice pierces the silence. It's the voice of the angel of the Lord, perhaps the voice of the pre-incarnate Jesus. And he calls out to Abraham. He says, stop. And Isaac is spared. Abraham's not supposed to touch the boy. The whole event was a test to allow Abraham to prove his heart. Abraham trusts God. He trusts God's word far more than he trusts in his own understanding, far more than he trusts in his own emotions. He trusts God more than how he feels. Don't ever lose that. Then 13 and 14, And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram, caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Abraham looks right there in the thicket's a ram caught by its head in the thorn bushes. He takes it. He puts it in the place of his son and sacrifices the ram as an offering to the Lord. And everything is well. So what Abraham said to Isaac was true. God provided for himself the sacrifice that God would desire. All right, there's a story where one big family sitting around together. Let me ask you all, is the gospel in this passage? Think so? Place or two? Can you find the gospel in the Old Testament, or is the Old Testament something we should ignore as Christians? I think there's gospel there, don't you? How much Jesus do you see in this passage? There's a whole lot. You know some places you can see Jesus? Look at the language. Look at the symbols in the passage. Who is Isaac again? How does it describe Isaac as Abraham's what? His only son. Who does that remind you of? Jesus. Work with me here, folks. Isaac, the only son, walked up a hillside carrying the wood upon which he would die. Who does that remind you of? (laughs) Yeah, it does. Isaac, with no protest at all, allowed himself to be fastened to the wood to await death. Who does that look like? Jesus. Let's go another direction. There was a ram provided to be the offering, and it was stuck with thorns on its head. Does that remind you of anybody? Jesus. And when all is said and done, God says, go up the mountain with your son to sacrifice your son. And when it's all said and done, by the way, there's a third day reference in this passage too, but when it's all said and done, the son is alive. Who does that remind you of? There's Jesus one more time, isn't it? 
How in the world could Abraham be so confident telling his servants that he and Isaac both would return? The Bible tells us in Hebrews 11, 17 through 19. Now, by the way, if I was going to be really rough on some of my D group folks, does that passage sound familiar when I just say that reference D group people? A couple of you. Eric says yes, but don't call on me, right? I believe you could do it, brother. I believe you could. But Hebrews 11, 17 through 19 says, By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. See, Abraham trusted God so much so that he believed that Isaac, if Isaac had to be sacrificed, would be raised from the dead. If God really demanded Isaac's life, then God would give it back. Why? Because Abraham knew God never breaks his promises. God never goes back on his word. And so if Isaac had to die, Isaac would be alive again somehow. And there we see a picture of resurrection bound up in this gorgeous story. But I'll tell you what I think the simplest piece of the good news to be found in this passage is. It's not in symbolism. It's in substitution. I want you thinking with me on this one. Isaac, by the command of God, should have died. God, out of God's mercy, provided another, a substitute to die in Isaac's place. Where Isaac's blood should have been shed, God allowed another to take Isaac's place. And this is a picture of the most important news any person can or will ever hear. Because like Isaac, all of us have a death sentence hanging over our heads. How? Why? Romans 3.23 says we've all sinned. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. And so we who have all done wrong before God, we all have earned a forever death sentence for sin. And if God left you and me to our own devices, every one of us would have to walk our own mountain and face the penalty for our sin. And then we'd spend forever separated from God in hell because we've rebelled against our creator. But God took action. And when God took action with his son, it's not a voice out of heaven that stops the executioner's knife from falling. This time, God actually sent his son to earth to take our place, to be our substitute. Abraham said God would provide what? What did Abraham say God would provide for himself? Specifically, though, a lamb. He said he would provide a lamb. What did Abraham find on the mountain? A ram. There is still going to be, in the future, one lamb that God would provide. And D-group people. John 1.29. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, what? The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
You see, Jesus came. He is the Lamb of God. And Jesus climbed the hillside with the wood. And Jesus wore the thorns on his head. And Jesus became the sacrifice. And Jesus took our place. And Jesus paid our penalty. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. You see, Abraham believed God and God credited his faith to him as righteousness. Everyone who trusts in Jesus is granted righteousness, forgiveness, eternal life with God. And everyone who refuses to come to Jesus for mercy will perish. Everyone who trusts will be saved. So I guess the big question is, have you trusted Jesus? And I mean that for you who have been members of PRC as long as the church has been here. I mean that for you whose age is closer to Abraham's than Isaac's. And I mean that for you who are young children. Maybe you live in a house with Christians all over the place. Maybe, heaven forbid, you're a preacher's kid. The question still applies today, right now. Do you trust in Jesus as your only hope for forgiveness and life? If you've come to Jesus, thank God with all your heart and praise God that he shows you Jesus all through the word. And let me just ask you, friends, if this is true of you, how could you keep that good news to yourself? Pray that God will let you tell somebody about Jesus. And if for some reason you've never yet come to Jesus for real, today would be a beautiful day to come and find the grace of God, would it not? God has provided a substitute, and you get one choice. Either you die for your sins and suffer for them in hell, or your sins will be forgiven because of the work of Jesus. Either Jesus is punished for your sins, or you are punished for your sins. And if you trust in Jesus, God counts your sins to Jesus' account. God gives you Jesus' perfection. But if you won't come to Jesus, you will spend forever suffering for the sins that you have committed in rebelling against God. I urge you, receive Jesus and find life with a gracious God. Friends, that's good news. That's gospel. It's all through God's word, and it gives us great joy. Amen? Amen. I want you to pray with me now. Father, we bow before you and we just ask you this, Lord. Anybody who would hear this message, whether it's a recording of it, whether it's sitting here on the mountain, I pray that they will have a beautiful picture of Jesus and your grace from what you've seen. And I pray that this day will be a day in which we magnify you greatly because of the shed blood of the Savior. It's in his name we pray. Amen.